Welcome to your best bets, Ryder Cup Week 2023 uh, at Marco Simone this week. Uh, really, really excited to talk about the Ryder Cup. Really excited to do a podcast. First podcast we've done in about six, seven weeks. Uh, so we've got to get back into the swing of things. Just need a little mental break. It's been a busy summer and... Uh, you know, we had talked about doing some NFL stuff, just never really worked out, never got around to it. So feeling refreshed, a lot to get to tonight. Uh, two gentlemen that were in the final group of the 2023 Riverbend Club Championship. I feel like just really privileged to be part of this discussion. Johnny Strauser and Zach Fitzgerald. Uh, Johnny, congratulations on your victory last weekend. Um, I was just kind of a, a text bystander, but it, it was it sounded like it was a pretty special weekend for you. Well, well thank you. Yes, it was it was good. It was it was fun. I think that was the most important thing that, you know, most of us hopefully had fun. Um, but the golf course showed out as Tom normally does with the events and, uh, you know, they, it, it, you've been out there, you know, recently and, you know, a lot of members and everything. And, and it's just, uh, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of good, good men and women who are, who play out there and everything. And, uh, um, happened to play some good golf and, uh, um, unfortunately at the hands of, of Zach who finished, uh, second place, but, uh, it, it was nice to, uh, to, to watch, you know, watch good golf, play good golf. And, uh, you know, it got pretty interesting for a little while and, uh, um, you know, happy to, to win another club championship. This is my first at Riverbend. I've, uh, I've been a member at three different golf courses, two in Indiana, one in Michigan. And I think I've played in, I was trying to think about, I think I played in eight total club championships over my 15 or whatever year. I've been a member at golf courses and have won six of them. So they, they are very important to me. I know, you know, I, I play in other tournaments, play in city, but the club championships, always a cool as hell event to play in and to win because it's a lot of your peers and everything like that, that you're playing with and against and that you see quite a bit. And, uh, I don't take that lightly. I, I, I like to show off and show up and, and uh, you know, just got to see the whole full experience and got to meet a lot of members. I don't usually meet, uh, you know, come across and met a few of them I've never met before. And overall it was a, it was a fun couple of days and uh, uh, you know, I can't, I look forward to next year having a, having a parking spot with my name on it. I got one at work that I won in a raffle until, until December 31st. Uh, so I got my, I got a parking spot at work, and now I've got one next year at my golf course. So it's pretty cool, all in all. Got the corner on the parking spot market for sure. Yes, Zach, I I, I know it didn't go the way you wanted, but sounds like a good weekend nonetheless. Uh, so I look forward to two golf weekends personally a year, and it's City Tournament and Riverbend Club Championship. Um. City tournament for obvious reasons, you know, you just can see all your buddies from all the other courses, get to see a lot of cool golf from guys that you don't normally get to play with. But uh, the Riverbend Club Championship, it's just an event. Like like Johnny said, there's fantastic guys and ladies out there that play. And 
you know, you get an opportunity to see a lot of them all at one time. And it's not just the tournament golf, you know, it's the events that they have. It's the, it's the, the shootout that they do at the end, which Johnny was part of that. It, it's an absolute hoot. Uh, the people that aren't playing are typically getting intoxicated and the carts are literally like surrounding Chaos. you're talking like 30 car carts like surrounding all the way up to the green which is hard for me to say because normally you would be like you can't do that on a golf cart don't get anywhere near that close but i mean literally we are like crowding everybody hitting in so if you hit an errand shot you're hitting a cart uh it, it's it's just a seriously fun time um they do like a skill shootout which is a good time too so you know, it's a it's really like a sun up to sundown thing out there for two days, uh, and then about half of Friday as well. So, you know, the golf course, you know, takes a pretty big hit. They shut the golf course down for that entire I don't know how many hours it is, forty-eight plus twelve, so sixty hours they shut the golf course down. Uh for the members. So it, it really does go well, regardless of how the outcome is. You know, I enjoyed watching Johnny play some of the best golf over five to seven holes that that I've seen personally played against me uh it was pretty insane so yeah all in all it was a good weekend it stung a little bit there that day but you know it's the one weekend out of the year that i actually drank and you know i had about seven or eight drinks and laughed and had some conversations with people and woke up the next day a little unhappy still but you know we're a week out of it now and to be honest with you i think back on it fondly so you know it was a really good time you know being friends with both of you and both of you being on this podcast, I, I was rooting for both of you, obviously, knowing that only one could win. So I, that was that was a tough spot. But, you know, it sounded like it was a great event, um, great time to be had. Johnny had, of course, the victory. And then a couple of days later, um, this motherfucker then decides to just <laughs> just keep like the good, amazing things going and uh just lets me know casually. Oh yeah, I just made an ace uh, a couple minutes ago on number thirteen at Riverbend. I mean, Jesus. So okay, so so the full backstory. So on Saturday we played holes. We started on one, finished on eighteen. We played the full of the normal golf course there. So what they typically try to do is they try to switch up the golf course the second day just to give you a different look at it. Well, they didn't want to start people on ten to have to hit either a tough driver or an iron on ten, and you got an. Uh, iron on 11 you got an iron on 12 you got an iron on 13 and you're not pulling driver until like the 14th hole typically so we played i guess what was the original routing of the golf course that we played 17 which is the par 5 played 17 18 10 11 12 13 14 15 and 16 and then we moved over to the other nine there so um i started out the second day. So I was, so Zach was leading by four shots going into the second day and he makes a couple of nervous bogeys. The first couple holes. I am at that point, make a couple pars only a couple shots behind. And then he, uh, we move over to 10. He hits a great drive and, uh, was able to keep it on this, on this green at the, the 10th hole, which is amazing in and of itself makes birdie. I make a sloppy bogey and then I make a sloppy bogey on 11. And then I make uh, an unreal up and down, just a bad iron shot or, or a bad tee shot, a good second shot, and an unreal up and down. Um, I was back left of the green. The pin was front left, and I and it had you know 15 feet of break or whatever it was, and I hit a tap in distance. So then we get to 13. 13, I hit almost shank it, almost hosel rocket it. It actually hits the trees 
that don't come into play to the right and make double bogey. At that point, I I am starting to mentally kind of just I'm not checked out yet, but we're you know we're we're at that point there. Fourteen, I make a great birdie. Uh, hit hit a green side and two. Have a really really tough chip shot. Hit a great uh, great chip to you know six eight feet. Make birdie. And then fifteen, I hit is that long par four. I hit the tree. Hits it. Hits the tree. Comes down. I've got like two hundred yards to this impossible pin. And I'm like, I just want to get in front of the green. So I hit this laser beam five iron. And it looks like it's going a little bit right. I get up there and this pin is, pins like middle right or actually back right where that back slope is. And I hit it to about 18 inches, make birdie. And at that point, that's when we kind of get going. So anyway, so that's kind of a turning point of the round there. 13 was kind of like my bottoming out of that round, you know, when I was kind of done with it. So Monday morning, I get up, I've got the week off. Um, I'm like, I got nothing to do. I'm just going to go out and go play. Anytime I get the chance to play Riverbend when it's in the shape that it's in, I'm going to go out there regardless of whether I'm too tired or if I got things to do, you know, to play a golf course that has that rivals any greens on the PGA tour, you know, you just got to do it, man. So I was like, okay, we'll go out there. So I'm just plodding along, you know, play the front nine, whatever. Uh, I think I shot one over something like that and I'm playing the holes, you know, whatever, 10, 11, 12, Get to 13, and 13 was, you know, that's that's the bane of my uh, my summer, the hardest hole that I feel that's out there because I always hit it left uh, into that cart path there. So I hit, like, the same. it's the same tee, same pin. I kind of know where it's at. I hit a six iron up there, and I'm looking. That looks pretty good. Well, it looks like a pretty good shot. I knew it wasn't long, and that's usually the miss there for me is if I hit it really good, it's, it's long. I'm like, ah, that's fine. So I got my push cart and I'm just waddling up there, you know, looking at my phone, you know, probably placing a sports bet at that time. I get up there and I don't see it short of the green. And I'm like, there's no way that that's long. There's no way. It was five iron. I could see that, but I, I didn't hit a, you know, hit a hard hook there. So I get up there and I'm like, it's in the hole. This son of a bitch is in the hole. So instead of grabbing my putter, I actually grabbed my phone because I was like, yep, this is probably in the hole. I go walking up there and I peek in, I make a hole in one. Unbelievable. And that was the fourth of my career. Uh, I made one other one uh, seven or eight years ago. And then I made one in my freshman year of college in 2000. And then one my senior year of high school back in 98, 99, something like that. So make the hole in one. Nobody's around, no witnesses. I'm not worried about that. I mean, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit here and tell people I made a hole in one and now make a hole in one. So make the ace gets me back to even play mediocre golf coming in. And I'm just like, that's cool. You know? And I wish I would have kind of had, Amazing. you know, saw it go in. Cause I would have kind of done the recording of myself and what, as I was walking up there, cause like what some people do, and it was just kind of a missed opportunity that I only got a photo of it sitting in the hole, but you know what? I'm kind of, it, it turns out I'm kind of not, I'm glad I made it on Monday rather than Sunday. Cause you mentioned the fucking drinks I would have had to buy for everybody for right. making that ACE. Oh, well, and, I mean, the alcohol is kind of free anyway. So well, you just said you were buying it for everybody. That's true. That's true. And, and that behind the veil of, of, of excellence of Tom and, and Aaron. So that is true. And I probably just would have not said anything and people would have just kept drinking and everything like that. But, uh, but yeah. And that's another thing I don't really like. I don't like how, if you make the whole one, you buy the drinks. What that, what the hell are you, you pull off an immaculate golf shot. It's and bullshit. You've got to, yeah. you've got to spend, 
however amount of money to buy people drinks? I don't think so. But we, we, pretty cool. We need, to, we need to do like a future podcast. Like, what are the ten things wrong with golf? And that would be on the list. Dude, yes, for sure. Not I being able to move the ball out of fairway and get it. That's the number one thing <laughs> that, wrong. With golf. That's such a I gray can, area, though. That's I can that's, I can argue. It that. is, and I understand why it doesn't happen. But that is the number one issue. <laughs> um yeah quick congrats on the ace um, thank you incredible um really just incredible to do on that hole because I, I like you i get on that hole and i just i don't have a feel i just i just don't have comfort so uh, really impressive um you know it's funny i was the wind's always blowing i'm sorry go ahead nope 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 go ahead well the wind's always blowing to the left and and the proper shots to hit a cut there and when you hit a draw, it doesn't look like it, but it slopes slightly from right to left there. So it's hard to stop. And, but it's also really, really difficult when the wind normally blows right to left to try to hit a cut into that. When the miss left, everything goes down into that. Shit. Exactly. So it's just a exactly. great hole. I mean, it's just, it's, it's a great mind fuck of a hole. Yeah. And, and as someone, if there's any faders out there like me aiming down the, you know, the left edge of the green is really uncomfortable as well, because when you don't, you know, you know, when you don't actually cut the ball and you hit a straight ball, then you're in that same position. So it's just, it's awkward all the way around. Um, what I was going to mention was, you know, ace, aces have been kind of just on my mind after, and, and we haven't done a podcast since before the city. Um, second round of the city, I, I witnessed Joe Heron playing with Joe the second round. Um, uh, puts one in on number four at Pine Valley. Um, Joe, if he's listening, he'd probably not be happy to have me report that earlier in the round, he had made a 10 on number 12 and we started on the back nine. So to make a one and a 10 in the same round is I told him, I said, I said, that's incredible. I don't, I don't care how bad it was. That's incredible. <laughs> um, but no, it was really, really cool. I hadn't seen, I hadn't seen an ace since I had made one. 2005 and so just to be there uh during the city um i mean it was we went absolutely crazy um so that was really really cool to see joe do that so um but yeah that's definitely a topper for a pretty incredible three or four days for you for sure absolutely um can we get in the Ryder cup i want to talk about this Ryder cup i am i'm excited I got, I got some, I got some good nuggets here. Um, when we get into a little bit, but, uh, it's, it's just, we, you know, we started this podcast in 2020. We got to do the 2021 preview when it was at whistling Straits. We kind of foreshadowed that we thought maybe the U S would win maybe convincingly. I don't think any of us saw it that convincingly where they almost, kept the euros into to the single digits. I think it was a was a 20 and a half to 10 and a half or well, no, that doesn't happen to 30, but it was it was close to a 10 point win, which is an insane victory. And at the time we said, God, they're gonna have this nucleus back and they're gonna be able to run this back quite a bit. And the European team, we had some doubts on just what their future would look like. Even last year at this time, we thought Oh my God, the U.S. is in such an incredible spot. I mean, they have a wealth of talent, and I mean, there's going to be four or five guys that should be on the team that won't be able to make the team. And the Euros, man, they don't got anyone in the pipeline. Um, they're losing all their veterans to live and all this. And, and now we're 
we're to the week of, and this feels incredibly tight and incredibly close. And just the fact that it feels like the Euros are super top heavy with their top three guys. You know, there's some questions on the on the bottom end of the team. I think um, we'll get into that a little bit, but it's it's amazing what how how different it is from when it ended at Whistling Straits and even a year ago to how it feels now, where there's some real questions on who's going to win this thing, Zach. I mean, I'm like sitting here looking at my notes right now as you're saying that. And I, ever since I've kind of written this down earlier today while I was watching football, it really does look like, uh, to me, you know, I put a line straight through the guys who qualified and the captain's picks. And the top half, obviously, of the Europeans that qualified is extremely heavy. And to me, the bottom half of the captain's picks on the Americans are are pretty heavy, but I don't know, man. There's a lot of people in the top half, the qualified people on the American team that definitely kept some of the veterans out that ha- have some of the veteran savviness. I would definitely not say that this is in any way going to be a runaway with, with the U.S. team. Uh, I mean, I could argue that I think that, in all honesty, the European team is stronger, especially with the home the home field advantage. So I'm really looking forward to this one. It, it's not one that really you can kind of – pick and I think that there's a lot of good possible matchups and and uh plays and and teams that can be made out of these so I'm I'm interested to see a couple players that that have certain skill sets to see where they they play in this and I'm sure that we'll get into that later Johnny the just to kind of to, to follow up on that U.S. is is minus 120 um, right now in DraftKings to win Europe at plus 125. I mean, this it wasn't that long ago, maybe four or five weeks ago when the U.S. was maybe minus 175. So that, I mean, the odds have really shifted quite a bit to reflect what we were saying. Yeah, I don't know if they ever touched minus 200, but it was juiced quite a bit, um, you know, just a couple of months ago. But, you know, you look at it, there's... There, there is a lot of uncertainty with the, the United States team. I mean, they've had some significant turnover from what we thought was just, uh, you know, a juggernaut of a of a uh, of a Ryder Cup team there. So, you know, it's one of those things that uh, I think with that, you know, you look at guys like you know Wyndham Clark and Brian Harmon and um, you know the putting of Scotty Scheffler and and you know a lot of those guys that were selected. It's just there's there's not that. Um, certainty that they're playing really good golf and they're going to go to a different country and, and not have the crowd. And this is just different. This is just not what golfers in general are accustomed to. So that's why it's so hard to win uh, is a reason which we'll, 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 we'll dive into that a little bit later here on why it is, uh, you know, such hard, a hard thing to win, but you know, it's one of those things that uh, um, the, the Euros being so top heavy so, so top heavy. And a lot of them are playing a little bit more uh, tournament golf right now. While after the, uh, the tour championship, most of mm-hmm. the United States players have played very, very sparingly. And, and, uh, but you look at a lot of the bigger DP world tour events where a lot of the guys, uh, for the Euro tour have, have played. So we can kind of see how their golf games are. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, I don't knows as far as how the U S team looks right now, but you know, top to bottom, the U S team is, is far better. And they're probably a little bit more battle tested, um, but with it being, you know, being in Rome, um, not on American soil this year, um, there is a lot of unknowns. So, you know, there's going to be some value 
um, you know, and picking the the European team, and and uh, it'll be very interesting to see kind of how this all you know plays out, especially in the early matches. I mean, if you were just a smart better, you'd probably take the underdog getting plus money at home. Seven of the last eight uh, Ryder Cups have been won by the home team. The only uh, outlier there is the um, 2012 Ryder Cup where the U.S. blew the 10-6 to lead um, in Chicago. And just just a really tough rewatch if anyone wants to go back and just see just a a series of putts here and there and just everything – happened at once it was it was like a lightning strike i mean i i, I if they play that they, this is my my classic line if they play that final day 10 times the u.s wins nine and if they actually play it 20 they win 19 um just that that was that was a crazy anomaly but so if you were to go in with the the trends and just the odds you'd probably you'd probably bet the euro side 30 years have gone by since the u.s and i I still can't believe it that since the u.s has won a road Ryder cup when they won the 1993 uh Ryder cup at the belfry um guys and i want to do a little exercise can you guys name who was on the 1993 u.s Ryder cup team captained by tom watson Throw, throw me throw me some names here. I, I bet you will not be able to name two or three of these guys. Well, it's going to be Rick. Paven wasn't, I don't think, was he? Corey Paven is one. He was? Yep. Corey Paven went five matches in the 93 Ryder Cups. Holy shit. Oh, you see what? Who, who else? Uh, Curtis Strange. Um, no. no, Curtis Strange. Payne no. Stewart? Payne was on there, yep. Couples. Fred Couples, yes. Did you say no to Hal Sutton? No Hal Sutton. Is did, Azinger? Azinger, oh, yes. Azinger, A- yeah, Azinger, was... Azinger was top in points that year, yes. Ooh. Ray I'm Floyd. Awesome. Ray Floyd, at over 50 years old, was a captain's pick, and he was the leading point getter, at least tied for the leading point getter that week. Dave, that dude was a killer, though. Incredible. Even at that age, he had that resurgence late in his career. Incredible. Wow. There's a couple other here, a couple other guys here that you should get. Mark Kalkovecchia. Fuzzy, Fuzzy Zeller. No Calc, no Zeller. Davis Love. Okay. Um, Tom Kite. Mick, Mickelson was on that, wasn't he? Mickelson I mean, wasn't. He was, I, I think 95 was his first, and then that's when he had his run. Um, Tom yeah. Kite, Lee Jansen, U.S. Lee Open champion, champion there. Yep. Got out that week at the 93 Ryder Cup, the only United States member not to earn a point that week. John Cook. John Cook, okay. Lanny Watkins, who was in his mid forties uh, at that point. Lanny. Um, and then the last couple, you're just going to be like, really? Chip Beck. Okay. Jesus Christ. And rookie Jim Gallagher Jr. <laughs> Solid career. I don't know why that one just. I like that one the, the most. Huh. Uh, yeah. 
15 to 13 that week. Um, yeah, it's just, I mean, gosh, I was 10 years old and here I am 40. So that's, it's an incredible stretch. And, and the thing is, I don't think they've been close. They really haven't been close. I, I guess you want to argue 2014. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. 2010, 2010, the, the Hunter Mahan year where he, he flubbed the chip and yep. they were, they were within reach, but even then, I think he was already down one on the 17th hole, and that's when that happened, and um, they still lost. But that was reasonably close. But there's just there's been several blowouts. I go back to 2018 when, it, it, on paper, that was one of the best Ryder Cup teams the U.S. has ever assembled, just on paper. But you go back and you kind of look at the fit of the golf course, um, for guys like Mickelson and Bryson and Tiger was just coming off the tour championship where he, I think he was exhausted. And so, you know, I look at the 23 te- team on paper and I'm like, these guys, these guys are so good. They're not, I don't think they're as good as 2018, but I think the course fit is a little bit better this time around than um, Le Golf National um, was for the 2018 team, because that team just wasn't accurate off the tee compared to the Euro team where they had the, the Molinari's and the Fleetwoods and, um, you know, Rose was playing well and they just, they just had the guys that fit the course. So I think from what I understand about this course, this might be a better fit for this team, but what are the other reasons why it's just impossible to win on the road in the Ryder cup, Johnny? Well, I mean, I think you look at the, you know, like I said, it, it is a very uncomfortable thing when you've got crowds that, uh, that are generally not cheering for you. Um, I also think a, a lot of these teams that the United States has assembled has been, I don't want to, I want to go Lou Holtz and say they're soft or anything like that, but um, sorry, I just, I had to, but, but these, you're gonna, these guys, you're going to pull a Ryan day right now. Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to pull a Ryan day here. No, I, uh, I think these, these newer guys that are on the team and it, and it was a lot the same as the whistling straights team is these guys are, it's a business trip. And, and these guys know nothing else other than to figure out a way to be peaking their game come Friday morning when, uh, when the first matches go off there and they're, they're, they're not, they're not interested in the, the media scrutiny, the questions about why haven't you won uh, a road game in 30 years that would normally bother guys 15, 20 years ago. And I'm not saying that, that, that it's just that these guys back then, like, you know, the Tom Layman's, the Davis loves are, are weaker mentally or anything like that, but it's just with social media and all the other obligations that these golf pros have these days, the, you know, and the business interactions and everything like that, these guys, I mean, they, they come in, it's a business trip. They, they know when to play good golf. They, 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 they do it. They do have fun, but it's just, it's more focused and, and centered towards dealing with all the hoopla. And that's why this team, I believe can win. And I don't think that the other past Ryder cup teams, um, especially for the United States was, uh, was any good at that and any good at handling that because, you know, you look typically, I'm sure, 30 years ago. And I don't know how the media was. There was no golf Twitter, obviously then, but the, the media was generally probably pretty coddling and supportive and everything. And that's just not the case these days. These guys come in and they even said it, that, that the team room, you know, you used to, you used to play ping pong or they'd shoot pool and they'd watch movies together and all that stuff. 
these these assholes come in, they they lift their weights, they come in, they eat, they might hang out a little bit together, but they're probably on the phone with their agent booking their their business trips and you know what sponsors and all that other stuff. This is just this is serious stuff for them, and they do, and they're all very very competitive. Um, you know, just by you know, we watch them week in and week out how how competitive they are. So I think that's something that these this generation of of younger people, younger golfers are gonna approach it as opposed to the other ones who just could not ignore that. And then the classic American implosion where you get one thing going wrong and then it's just a, a chain effect. And this happens, I mean, look at any any you know, U S national soccer teams or, you know, other teams like that, that, uh, you know, always end up disappointing for one reason or another. So I think that's a big thing that's, that's changed. And that was a thing. That was the biggest thing that kind of hurt these guys, you know, like I said, 10, 20, 30 years ago. Zach, I'm interested in your perspective on this. The 21 U S team was the first team that didn't have Phil or tiger on it since the 93 team. And I remember a couple of guys saying that they kind of rallied around each other with some new blood, some new energy, some new leadership. I, you know, I think Spieth is kind of even mentioned being mentioned as one of the guys that's really become a leader. We know JT is sort of the emotional leader. Do you think kind of having that, I don't know, with, without Phil or Tiger as part of this team, new blood, sort of a new attitude going overseas gives them a, I don't, I don't want to say better chance to win, but it's just a different feel this time around. I mean, I think Phil's a cancer really kind of always has been, but that's, I mean, I think just a lot of it's kind of coming to light now. I mean, he's a great That's a player. big statement. That's a big statement. Well, I mean, he, he is kind of, I mean, I'm sure people like him, but if, if he's sitting there and we've always heard the stories about being a degenerate gambler and all those things. And I'm not saying that, that there aren't other people that do that, but obviously certain things are taking priority over other things. And uh, I, I don't think that when it comes to tiger, that there's ever a negative to having him as part of any team, be it a player or, or, or not a player. I think he's loved by everybody and the knowledge that he has you know, it really seems like he's willing to impart that. Um, and I think that all the younger generation likes him. I do think, though, that when I look at this team, you know, there definitely is a changing of the guard with the American team there. Everybody's pretty young. I mean, there's very few guys here over 30 on this team. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're really kind of looking at a team that could be together for years and years and years. I, I don't think every one of these guys is going to be together for years and years and years, but there's certainly a core group of guys, Thomas included. I'm sure we'll get into that, you know, as to why he's on this team and, and all that. But, you know, he's certainly part of that core group um, uh, of the American team. Now, if you want to ask me why I think that it's been 30 years since we've beaten them in Europe, they care more. Simple as that. They simply care more about the Ryder Cup than we do. We have in America significantly more sports to go around than what they do. So to them, it's cricket, soccer, and golf. And and yeah, this is huge for them. I mean, this is beating us is more important to them than us beating them is to us. So that has a lot to do with it, not to mention the fact that I think that 
their players throughout time have been just significantly better match play players, maybe not over a four-day tournament, but if we're talking about just match play players, just mm-hmm. European people seem to be a little bit grittier than what we are. And as Johnny said, I don't necessarily know that we're soft, but I think that we're not as gritty, not as grindy as what they are. So when things get a little bit tougher, I think that mm-hmm. – they're just capable of grinding slightly better. And I think as a team aspect, uh, they've kind of always had a little bit more camaraderie than what we did. We kind of always just seemed like we came together as a satellite group of people. Now, I do look at this team, and for the most part, I think that that is not the case. I think this really is a team. So it's -hmm. exciting. I think that the American team, I don't don't know. I don't necessarily know that I think the American team is going to win this time. I do think they absolutely should, and they could. But I think going forward, this is a really positive sign for the American team. I absolutely agree with you on the why. You know, Europe has dominated, especially at home the last 30 years. The camaraderie and the the team element, the team feel has been completely one-sided in their favor. Just chemistry, whatever you want to call it. And I do feel like this this group of U.S. players, it is a bit of a change in the guard. Um, you know, the, the Spies, the JTs, Homa kind of being, you know, newer to that that crew, but that positive energy, you know, hang out with your boys. And if we when we get to talk about the captain's pick being a boys club, I don't I don't think it's a bad thing because Europe has this is this is kind of how they've done their captain's picks for a long time. There was years where I couldn't believe Ian Poulter was getting a captain's pick, but based off of his incredible play and him being boys with a lot of those guys. I mean, it doesn't always have to be, you know, the best player, but it's the best team fit. Um, You can talk about that, like the Keegan Bradley versus JT thing. Um, But I I do think this, this crew of U S players is a little bit different. So while we're talking about the U S team, let's, let's get into it a little bit. Um, Johnny with, Kind of looking at the U.S. team's roster from from top to bottom, um, you know, where do you feel like their strengths lie? Where are the weaknesses? What are some of the pairings that you're kind of looking at? Um, we kind of have a very good idea about most of them, I think, just based on the captain's picks. Um, so just kind of give you a couple of your impressions of the U.S. roster and and what you like and what you don't. Well, I mean, I, I think they're pretty deep top to bottom and, and judging by how difficult the captain's picks were, um, you know, the, the, it's not like he was, you know, Zach, Zach Johnson was choosing between guys that really didn't deserve to be on the team. So I think that's, that's important there. What I, I have really, really, really liked that since they instituted the task force a number of years ago was going with the pod system. And I think that absolutely, uh, works out and these guys practice all week together. They're comfortable. It's a lot of what the European team does when they had the old European tour, they would travel from country to country and a lot of them would play in all those events. So they kind of got used to playing practice rounds and Tuesday money games together and, and, and all that other good stuff. So we're looking at the U S team, you know, I liked a lot of the, the pairings. I mean, obviously you're going to go, uh, you're going to go Xander and, and Pat Cantlay who just, I mean, they should never not be paired together. Um, you know, they're real solid there. And then um, I think Zach Johnson did a really good job when he picked uh, uh, Sam Burns 
because he's such good friends with Scotty Scheffler. He, uh, you know, he's a good, good driver of the ball. Um, Scotty Scheffler is, you know, having one of the best iron play seasons ever just has trouble with the putting and what is Sam Burns good at putting. So I think that's a, that's a perfect match there. Um, you look at, you know, Max Homa and, and Colin Morikawa, the two Cal bears. Um, one I'm very intrigued at is, and I think it's going to end up being a strength is the, is the Brian Harmon, uh, Brooks Kepka pairing. And I hope they, play a lot of four ball together. I hope they play actually both four ball matches because I think, I think Brian Harmon could be, he could be an absolute menace to that European team. That guy is an alpha trapped in a beta's body. And he's exactly like Brooks, except Brooks, he's an alpha male in an alpha male's body. So I think they, they can kind of, I think that's a, a pairing that's going to work really, really well because they're both kind of that that leader, be a prick type type of person, and I think that really uh, that that's really going to work out quite well there. Um, the one I'm a little concerned at is the uh, um, is the Team Odyssey putter, the Wyndham Clark uh, Ricky Fowler pairing. Ricky goes well with everybody. Um, and I think he's proven it when he won at rocket mortgage that he's, he, he's back, he's back to where, you know, where he was, but, you know, it's been a while since he's been in the limelight. Um, I can't remember the last Ryder cup he played in, but, uh, um, he was the one back. Was it 2010? Yeah. The one, the, the Hunter Mayhan one, he yeah. played unbelievably well in that, in that event there. And it was just Wyndham Clark. You just don't know what you're going to get out of, out of Wyndham there. But the good thing is, is that, you know, you got somebody, uh, Ricky file, you could, you could pair him with literally anybody there. So I think that ends up working out. So, you know, like the groups I'm not worried about is like I said, the Cantley Xander, um, not really worried about Homa and, and Morikawa and the Spieth, Justin Thomas is another one that I know sometimes their games go a little bit haywire, but they're going to, they're going to annoy the European team and and grind out stuff and they may not necessarily win a whole bunch of points but um i think that's a team that can just really just wear down um you know wear, wear down the other team so it, it i i kind of you know i like all the, all the guys that they pick so it's kind of hard to to have that kind of a weakness so it's just uh it should be kind of interesting to see if they stick with that the entire time or or how zach johnson's going to end up um um switching those guys up in the different pairings as opposed to four ball in the force of matches. Mm -hmm. Zach, uh, just add your thoughts there on, on, on anything Johnny said. And then also were you okay with, uh, with Zach Johnson's captain's picks and especially the Burns and JT pick? Um, I don't really have anything more to say about the pairings. I mean, I think you guys know the pairings way better than I do. And whatever Johnny just said, there is going to be, significantly more articulate and informative than anything I had to say about pairings. So uh, I'll move on to the next question. I, I did want to add on to something. You said that it always used to surprise you when Poulter would get picked for this team. And I think that, you know, we get surprised when guys that don't historically win a lot of individual tournaments do well in these team events. And I think that what it comes down to is mentality. I think that you have certain guys and Poulter may fall into this category where 
maybe if he fails himself, it doesn't bother him. He can live with that. But maybe failure of teammates is something he can't deal with. So it drives him to a different level. Uh, I just think Very well that there are certain guys like that that can absolutely deal with failing themselves. They can live with themselves. That's perfectly fine. But they cannot deal with failing other people or especially people that they perceive as teammates or brothers in arms. So mm-hmm. I think that's a big reason. I think JT honestly falls into that topic. <laughs> so if we're talking about JT, no, I'll never have any issue. Um, kind of like I said, you know, I would never have an issue had he had picked Dustin Johnson either. I'm not saying that I think Dustin Johnson should be on this team over anybody that's here. I don't. I don't think that he had the resume this year to be. But had he had been picked, I could have certainly argued that his just resume alone in the Ryder Cup could do it. Now, for me, the only person that I would have liked to have seen change is Sam Burns. And that's not for any reason, golf reason. I just really think Keegan deserved to be on this team this year. And you look at a guy like Keegan and how brokenhearted he is. He's definitely one of those guys that does not want to let the team or America down. So I really would have liked to seen him get his opportunity uh, to be on this team. Aside from that, no, no issue with the captain's picks whatsoever. To me, it seems like everybody kind of deserved to be on here. Um, and and no issue. I understand the issues that people have with Thomas, but I, I kind of agree that you just don't leave Justin Thomas at home in a Ryder Cup. You just don't leave him at home. Yeah. He, he's got too much of that fire, too much of that like team camaraderie thing that even if he doesn't necessarily play well, he's going to kind of bring everybody together. So I, I, I like him always on a Ryder Cup team. Yeah, I um, well said. Well, a couple of those points really well said. I, I wholeheartedly agree that the JT is he is the heartbeat of the team. Um, he has become that guy, and, and his record is. Ryder Cup presidents combined has been incredible. It would have been, I feel like it would have been a bigger risk leaving him off the team than it is having him on the team. And, um, you know, give Zach Johnson a lot of shit for a lot of things, but um, I thought that was ballsy for him to go that way. He could have went, you know, Lucas Glover, King Bradley. But to me, I think I said this to Johnny, I mean, I can live with JT, in a, in a big spot in a singles match on Sunday when it's 12, 12 and we need, we need a guy to come through. I, I just, I, I want it to be him versus a guy like Lucas Glover who just started showing up, you know, middle of this year. So I, you know, it may not work out that way. It may, he may not play well, but I can, I can live with, you know, one of the 10 best players of the last decade, you know, being in that spot over, over some other guys. Could you imagine if you're Zach Johnson and you didn't pick him? And again, we'll just say Lucas Glover just because, and because he's going to be easy to pick on here. Could you imagine needing a point on Sunday um, and saying, yeah, I got Lucas Glover instead of Justin Thomas. I mean, I just, I can't imagine, can't imagine a universe that exists where that's, that would be something that's acceptable. I mean, that's, that's just, it's just weird to yeah. me. A guy, a guy that just learned how to putt after 10 years of not knowing yeah. how to putt. And then we're, I, I don't, I don't know. Uh, the Keegan thing is, is you're, you're, you're right. I think Keegan had a better year than Burns. Um, Burns probably got his way on, on this team because of his relationship with Scheffler. Um, with that said, I still like Burns's game for match play. He won the match play this year. 
you know, putting has been an Achilles heel the U.S. for a while in this event, and he is one of the guys that can put the ball. Um, I want to I want to piggyback off of the Brian Harmon thing though. I, you know, when he won the Open, I was kind of like, oh man, Brian Harmon's going to be on the team. And then then as the week or after after he won, and I kind of thought about it, I'm like, okay, Brian Harmon, I'm I'm all in on Brian Harmon because he's he is that that guy that's you can sense getting under the skin of the Euro fans, the Euro players, um, you know, just constantly making eight to 12 footers all week. And, um, you know, if he's paired with Brooks, like we suspect he might be, I mean, I've, I'm just wildly interested to see how that goes. That could be, that could be pretty incredible. Um, and I think, I think the pairing that I uh, actually, that could, if, if, if it goes as we think is that has a chance to be really good it is home and Morikawa. Um, I I still love how Morikawa struck the ball this year, um, and Max is you know last time we saw him just a couple weeks ago at, at Fortnite his event he played really well. He's just made such good strides all around this year. Where I just don't I mean that team in alternate shot might be a really tough one to crack. So I'm interested to see who's going to play foursomes, who's going to play four ball. Um, you know, with the golf course being such a arduous walk, uh, I'm interested to see if any anybody's going to play five matches with their depth it just makes i think we said that at whistling straits and a couple guys went five and, but I, I you know for me i i would like unless someone's just red hot and you got to keep them on the course i would like to see no you know these guys go no more than four uh, matches yeah I, I I agree. You just because yeah, I mean you don't you don't want to wear a guy out, and I think they've got the depth. So hopefully, I, I'm a big proponent of in any of these, um, you know, whether it's the Ryder Cup, the Presidents Cup, the Solheim Cup, you know, anything like that is get everybody involved in that first day. Everybody should play a match, and then you see how then you see how it looks come Saturday morning, um, and you may have to rest a guy or two you know, something like that. But, uh, you're right. Is there might be, you know, these, these guys are going to be fit enough that they're going to be able to do it. But whether you really want to do that, because I mean, 90 holes in three days, that's, that, that that's a lot of golf and that's a, it's, it's big time. So, you know, you hope that the depth will, uh, will, will take them through it and, uh, where they can, they could, you know, spot rest guys, but, you know, hopefully he make, I think Zach's pretty in tune. I think as an assistant captain, you know, we've we've questioned. I know Phil, you and I have questioned certain guys being benched at certain moments, especially like that Saturday morning match or the Saturday afternoon match of of like the the hottest player out there. I, I don't think Zach is that type of guy who would who would kind of do that. So I, I'm hoping that he'll ride the hot hands and and realize and get the pulse of how his guys are playing and everything. And and uh, it should be pretty interesting to see, you know what that first day entails, like I said, with, uh, with getting everybody in. Mm-hmm. Zach team Europe, you know, we mentioned just how top heavy, I mean, arguably, you know, this second, they have maybe the three best players in the world and Rory Rahm and Hovland, you know, of course, Scheffler's probably in that mix, but Hovland ends the season on a tear. Rahm began the season on a tear and Rory was pretty great all the way through. Um, and then you have some, you know, some solid guys. Your typical solid guys like Fitzpatrick, Hatton, Fleetwood, Lowry, um, and then you, then you got some of the, some questions maybe at the bottom like McIntyre, 
Um, Sepstrak, uh, you never know what you're going to get with Sep. He could go nuts or he could shoot 80, and I don't think anybody would be surprised. And then, of course, uh, what we all think is going to be the next Euro superstar and, and love the Gaber. What's your thoughts on, on the Euro team? I think they're extremely strong. I look down at these names and, and understand one of them can beat any, any of the other players at any time. But you know, the, the thing is, is that, like you said, Rory, Rom, Hovland, they may be along with Stravler, the, the top four of what people would think, but, we haven't seen everybody play golf for a while, so we don't know what everybody's been doing, taking vacations, you know, doing all that shit, just coming back this week to, to come in. So I think that after the first day, we'll kind of have a little bit more of an idea as to where everybody stands with where their golf games are and, and probably have a little bit better of an idea. But, you know, I think the teams look really, really, really identical and fair to me. I think it's going to be a really, really good match. I think you could put a lot of – they definitely have more – experience with guys like Rose, Lowry, Rory, um, people have played in a lot of these. Fleetwood's played in a few of them. Um, they're older as, as guys as well, too. So um, I, I do like their team, uh, but the more we do talk about the American team, it's kind of uh, it's kind of difficult to, you know, as we started talking about the camaraderie and everything, you know, it's what that I thought the American team had been lacking forever, just there was, yeah. It seemed like there was a Tiger camp and a Phil camp, you know, and they were the number one and number two, and you know, it was always divided team. And now it seems like, and this seems to be the case in most sports, that everybody's just friends now. So we'll we'll see how that goes. Yeah. I, it is exciting. I think it could go well for them. But the but the European team, yeah, I mean they're they're loaded. You got Rose coming back, who really has kind of had a couple couple down years himself. Uh, coming back, playing well. Uh, Straka has been playing well. I know what you're saying about him kind of getting squirrely, but, yeah. you know, he's been playing well. And I don't know much mm -hmm. about Adberg, but you just said that he's the next big star, so that's kind of exciting. I know that he won a tournament and they picked him, but, uh, you know, aside from that, I don't really know a whole lot about him. So Yeah. Um, yeah, and NCAA champion. Um, they actually led the BMW PGA last weekend uh, for most of the event, which is, you know, pretty much like the PGA Tours uh, Players Championship. Uh, didn't win, but just showing a ton of potential. Johnny, as far as pairings go on their side, uh, you know, I've I've read some some rumblings about maybe a Hovland Rom pairing, um, Rory and Ludwig, which would both of those would just be fucking terrifying. Uh, John John Rom with anybody is, is going to be terrifying in and of itself. But yeah, I I like the idea. If I was if I was a European fan, that I would want uh, Luke Donald to to throw throw the big boys. I mean, yeah, throw Hovland and throw Rom and throw your top guys. Put it, you don't have to spread out the wealth. And I'm not I'm not saying make your your lineups more mediocre but you know get those guys get that that puts some fear into not, not only the players but the american fans as well because if you know if we see i mean just imagine them rolling out in i don't know if it's the four ball the force and what starts out friday morning but if they throw Rahm and hovland aberg and matt uh mcelroy and then you've got tommy fleetwood and 
and, and whomever, you know, it's just like, okay, this is, this is pretty good here. We don't need to, you know, you, you don't necessarily need to, to put the, the rookies with the, the veterans there. I mean, sometimes just let the rookies go at it. These guys are, are battle tested, not necessarily for the Ryder cup, but they're all there for a reason. And they're all really, really good players. Um, they're not scared. These guys aren't scared. These these Europeans are not going to be scared in in Rome. You know, Nikolai Hoygaard's not going to be afraid. You know, Sepstrak has won on the PGA Tour a couple times. You know, Justin Rose is battle tested and and has you know seemingly found his game. So there's a lot of different options here. Um, but what we're going to see though, where like we see, we're going to see it like we see every single Ryder Cup. You're going to see Shane Lowry who hasn't made a putt in. I would say two to three years has not made a goddamn putt in two to three years is going to putt out of his mind. He's going to make every four footer, every six footer that he needs to make. And it's just going to end up happening because like what, what Zach says, they're playing for the team. They're 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 The fear of failing your teammates is too strong. So they're going to end up, you know, playing pretty well there. So, you know, there's a lot of different combinations. I, I don't know if if Donald is going with the pot system in the practice rounds. It's going to be very intriguing to see uh, come tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday how uh, how these practice groups go out. But if it's me, I, I'm putting I'm putting my big four, five, six guys out there to start, and we're going to try to get out to a lead and win that opening session. Um, because playing from behind against the deep, you know, American team is just, is going to be, I think, too insurmountable, uh, of a task. So I got to think you got an idea on some, some pairings though. Is there, is there some that, that kind of look that jump out at you? Well, to me, I, I think every time I think a guy should play a certain format. He plays the opposite format. Like I'm like Sepstrak to me is like destined for four ball. Four ball, yeah, I, absolutely. Like Nikolai Horgard should should play four ball. I just think there's so much pressure, especially for rookies and foursomes, where things can get really squirrely really quick. I mean that is that is just an uncomfortable format, um, especially for guys that have no experience. So I, I you know, I would I'm not saying those two would be a great pairing. Um, you know, if, if Rory's not with Ludwig, Rory and, and Shane Lowry are, you know, best friends. I mean, that's, that's not a bad way to go. Um, you know, someone like Fleetwood and Fitzpatrick, a couple Englishmen, um, great ball striking. Fleetwood's had an unreal ball striking year. Um, you know, he can't make a putt when it fucking matters, but, um, but he will this week because that's what they do. Um, but I, I like those two together. You know, a guy like Hatton's played incredible this year. I don't know really know who you put him with. I don't know where a guy like uh, Bob McIntyre slots in either. Uh, he might be a four ball guy. So I, I I don't have I don't have a great feel about the Euro pairings compared to the U.S. Um, again, I, I I I do think Rory and Ludwig and four ball would be. Uh, just an incredible driving um, bonanza, though. I mean, uh, even Rory commented how, how great Ludwig drives the ball, and that, that says a lot coming from arguably the greatest driver of the ball ever. Um, so we'll see. Um, who's Who do you guys like better as a captain, Donald or, or ZJ? And, and got a beat on either one, Zach? Like as a player or as a captain? Oh, a captain. Um, to be determined. Johnson, 
I mean, for me, Johnson, but it is to, de- to be determined. All the reasons I'm going to say about Johnson, you know, the fact that I know that he he's had years of camaraderie with these guys could probably be said about Donald from a European perspective. Nice. So, um, yeah, I would say that this one's kind of honestly to be determined. Kind of funny that they're both guys that are, you know, one majors or I don't Did Donald win a major? No, Donald no. never did win a major, but no. he was world number one. Uh, no, you know, both one. guys, though, that don't hit the ball a long way. Uh managing guys that hit the ball 40 yards farther than them yeah. so yeah that's true uh johnny is is tiger gonna be the 25 captain at beth page is that what we're thinking i hope so um yeah. I, 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 I gotta i gotta think and i would hope that they would give him for what he did in in australia that they would give him the uh, beth page i think that would be that would be amazing. I think it was originally our plan was uh, Phil Mickelson in that position uh, is what we were originally planning. But, you know, things, things, things have happened. And, and I, I think that things went off sales. the rails <laughs> slightly, <Yeah>. slightly. So <laughs> we finally are just seeing it. They've always been off the rails. That's true. That's just funny coming. Yeah. yeah so, but true. yeah, I think it's going to be tiger and, you know, I think they're doing and it really kind of disappoints me is I think they're doing a disservice to, to Matt Kuchar and not naming him an assistant captain and getting Next him boy. in the rotation. Yeah. I think I, it'll I, happen. Well, I mean, he, you know, they keep naming it's Davis love, Steve Stricker, Fred couples, Jim Furyk and Jim Furyk is just, is just the rotation of assistant captains. And I, I, you know, Stuart Sink, um, I think. Stuart Sink's, yeah, he's new so he, into that. Yeah. So now, once you get into that club, you're you're kind of going to be a captain eventually. And I just, I think they think Kucher, since he never won a major, he's kind of a little bit of a of a goofball. That neither did Stricker though. Stricker didn't win a major, and he was the oh, captain. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So yeah, yeah, I I, 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 I agree. That I don't know why Kucher's not an assistant captain. That he's in his mid forties. He's you know his best days are behind him. Sorry, Zach and. uh I, I just think it makes sense that he'd be part of this group. I don't understand why having 63-year-old Fred Couples continually – I mean, I think he's awesome, but, like, why is he continually an assistant captain? I thought the whole idea of this uh, uh, task force was to get new guys a couple assistant captainships for a couple Ryder Cups, and then they're eventually they're going to be the captain. And I, I just don't understand – retreading the same three or four guys, maybe throwing one in, but that's the part I don't get. But I, I certainly hope Tiger's going to be the 25 captain at Beth Page. Um, I, I, I want to go to that one very badly. Um, talking about it with my son. Um, I said, if Tiger's the captain, I think I, I just got to make it happen. Uh, so that might be a future trip or um, hopefully make that one work out. Um, before we, before we, uh, Make a prediction, guys. What are um, I don't know if either one of you have a couple props or um, bets you like, uh, Johnny. Anything you you've seen on any of the the books that you like as far as point scores or any other kind of weird props? Yeah, so I, I looked a little bit on uh, on DraftKings earlier today just to kind of see what was up there, and they've got a lot of the uh, the the um, bets up. What one thing I'm going to be waiting for, very interested in, is over under on their on their total points earned. That's going to be something I'm going to be really, I think, hit, hitting quite a bit here. But so a lot of these are going to have longer odds. You know, they're going to have anywhere from like 
plus 450 to plus 1800, you know, stuff like that. Um, some of the bets I like is um, top U.S. team point score. Um, got a feeling about Max Homa, and I think his value at plus 900 is is really good. Um, like you see, like you alluded to how you like that pairing potentially with uh, um, uh, Kyle Morikawa, and I think Max Homa, the good thing about him and Morikawa is they can play four ball and foursomes. Um, yeah and and be just as good in either way and i think uh i think zach johnson's gonna have to rely on both of those guys to to be consistent guys i think they're gonna get a lot of matches there um him at plus 900 is, is a number i like and then also brooks kepka um i i think he's gonna get a lot of matches um he's at plus 700 that's a that's a pretty good number there for um for top U.S. point scorer, I, I thought about guys like Scotty Scheffler, and you look at Cantley and Shoffley. Those guys are like plus four fifty to plus six fifty. I don't think that that's got the greatest of values there, so I'm going to kind of stay away from that. I'm also staying away from Jordan and uh, Justin Thomas. While I think they play well, I don't think they're going to play in a bunch of matches. I'm just kind of uh, I'm, I'm very unsure of that, but uh, kind of that Homa Kepka there. Um, let me see here. Top English point scorer, um, Matthew Fitzpatrick is plus 225. I think that's pretty good value there. It could be Fleetwood as well, um, but Matthew Fitzpatrick's a great putter, um, perfect for match play, and he's as tough as nails. And if you're gonna if you're gonna give me one or the other, I got I got to pick the guy who who can putt, and you know he's one of U.S. Open and been you know. His game has been pretty good here recently, and it's kind of uh, rounded into form there. Um, rookie Top rookie point score overall, I'm going to go with Max Homa at plus 300. Um, top captain's pick point score, that's not Homa. Homa qualified. Top captain's pick, this is overall European and uh, United States. Uh, Kepka at plus 550. Um, and then... I, I want to go with team to lead first. It was the USA at minus 115. But the more I think about it, the more I think Luke Donald could just start out with with the big boys. And I, I might have to wait on that. So um, I don't like, and then a couple of bets I don't like is I don't like the team to lead first after each session, unless they come out with, um, uh, the pairings and still have the numbers up. They may pull the numbers once the, uh, once the pairings are announced, but uh, it's one of those things that the U S should start out strong, but I don't know the format. I don't know if they're starting out for a four ball or foursome. So that's going to be a big deal there, but that, that might be something we put in your bet, uh, best bets. Once we figure out the format and then the pairings after the first day. Very nice. Anything for you, Zach? Uh, just that I would like to piggyback on everything Johnny said about Oliver. <laughs> um, I have him circled and starred. I I think Homa has the possibility if he plays well that you know how Reed kind of had that Captain America thing going, and but the mm-hmm. thing is everybody hates Reed, so you know <laughs> yeah. we could have like a lovable Captain yeah. America on our hands with Homa. I think he's the guy that is not currently like one of the boys' clubs. You know, the Speed Thomas Morikawa. Fowler, those guys that really could cement himself as like a guy for the next couple of years, couple being 10 or so. Um, I really like his attitude towards this. I, I think that 
he could be really well. I would take him as top point scorer as well. Um, and if we're talking about English top point scorer, I I like to pick Shane Lowry and things, man. I don't know why, but I always seem to come back to Shane Lowry. So plus eighteen hundred. Um, I just think Shane Lowry, man, he does. Oof. You don't, you don't have Poulter this year, so who's going to be the guy that steps up and and is the backbone of Europe? And I don't think it's going to be Rory, and I don't think it's going to be Ram. I'm not saying they're not capable. I just don't think that's their role. Uh, I think Lowry's going to be back. So maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm right. He had a, he had a couple moments at Whistling Straits, even though they got they got yeah decimated, but he played really well that week. So so I'm scared of. Um, I got a couple here, guys. Um, opening European tee shot Friday morning. Uh, Rory McIlroy at plus three fifty. I, I just think, and you alluded to it, Johnny. Uh, I just think uh, Luke Donald's going to put out if it's Rory and Ludwig or if it's Rory and Lowry or whoever. I just think Rory's going to be in that group. Um, and so that that's that's a risky play, obviously, but I just think it's going to be one of those top guys in that first match out. Um, I had circled. These are always so hard when you talk about top point scorer because you just don't really know how many sessions are going to play, and that's that's really a lot of this is. If I knew Ricky Fowler was only going to play three and Scotty was going to play five, you know, that that's that's a big deal. Um, something about Wyndham Clark at plus 1,800 I thought was really interesting for the U.S. side because that dude proved to me so much at the U.S. Open. It's like he kind of became a dude that week, and he hit some, like, just some – I mean, some big ass shots and just the way he was throwing the club. I was like, man, this is kind of cocky. And he hits it a mile and he puts it great. And um, to me, those are two things that could transfer really well this week. That's that's my long shot of the week. But I'll echo you guys. Morikawa and Homa, I like a lot this week. Um, top USA um, rookie. Um there's really nothing there for me, but, um, you know, we talked about Homa. He's the favorite there, plus 150. Harmon at plus 500 is a little bit further down the board, the ones that I kind of like there. Um, European, uh, top Europe captain's pick. Um, Aberg, I, I'm, I'm in on him this week, plus 300 um, of the six captain's pick. I like him as well. Um I didn't really find a lot that I, I loved other than than that, to be honest with you. Biggest winning margin. Um, I had six and uh, four. No, I'm sorry, six and five circled, but that in my mind, but that's the favorite at plus 300. So there's just, it's really hard to pinpoint some of these props without knowing A, the pairings at this point, and B, the plan for the captains on how much they're going to play each of yeah, um, I think you. But, I think you got to sprinkle, sprinkle these bets. You know, just add. You know, maybe de- dedicate one unit or something like that for all all the bets that you like now. And then once the the individual ones come out, and then the match ones, then that's where we got to kind of hit it. Yep, I, I did something similar for the Solheim Cup this weekend with uh, USA or just top point scorer overall, um, Allison Corpus. Through three sessions, she was two zero and one, and then. Um, you know, 
Stacy Lewis benched her in the afternoon yesterday, and for some reason, and then she doesn't score another point the whole session or you know the whole matches. Um, by the way, that was incredible. Awesome. That, that was, was awesome. If we get half of that next yep. Sunday, I mean, we're in for a treat. That was incredible. Um, all right, guys, who wins and what's the score? Zach? Hmm. America, 15 and a half to 13. Okay, so it's pretty tight. 15 and a half, 12 and a half. Fifteen and a half, twelve and a half. There's twenty-eight points. There's twenty-eight. Yeah. Okay. There you go. Fifteen and a half, twelve and a half. All right, Johnny. So I'll I'll first say I I cannot bet the the overall uh, tournament winner or to lift the trophy for the European team. This is like most of the time I bet. Every other time I should say I bet with my head. I'll bet against my tigers, my lions. You know, I I'm okay with that and everything. This is the one event that I cannot, I do think there's good value on the European team at plus 125. Um, if that's something that you like plus 125 to lift the trophy or uh, in the three way uh, to win, I'm not doing it there. Um, but I think it's going to be very, very close. I'm going to end up betting um, USA 15 Europe 13 and you can get that on the the DraftKings Sportsbook at plus eleven hundred. I went the same route. I had fifteen thirteen as well. United yeah. States. I think it's going to be close. I, I just if the U.S. wins, it's going to. I don't. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I, I think it's going to be a one pointer, two pointer, like you know. Or I mean, if it's if it's three points, Zach, I'd be. I'd almost be surprised because to me, that's that's. Not a huge margin, but it's sizable. I can certainly see it going that way. But I just I think this thing's gonna be really tight on Sunday. Um I think the US needs to be at a point where um it's like eight eight though, going into singles. Um I mean traditionally they've been they've dominated singles over the years, but I think this European team is a little bit different. They're more like regular PGA tour players. Um I wouldn't want them to be trailing like you know, nine, seven going into singles. I just, it's mm -hmm. going to be too much to overcome. So they need to either be leading or tied going into singles to make this thing work and, and to make it happen. Um, can't wait though. It's, it's, it's literally one of my, I, you know, we talk about the majors, but I love the Ryder cup unlike almost anything. And uh, I would, I, I would love to see the U S win on the road for the first time in forever. Um, you guys going to be watching early? Um, I, I know Johnny, you're off. Zach could probably work, and so maybe you'll catch it, catch it, you know, while you're working, some at some point in the day. I'll be watching while I'm working. Good to hear. I sit in too. I, I sit in too visible of an area that if I had it on, there's so much traffic of of people walking by and everything like that. So, uh, so Friday I probably won't be able to catch much of it. Um, I'll, I'll figure out something. And then Saturday, nobody else is in the office Sunday. Nobody's in the office. So I'll probably, it's just how early I want to wake up after, uh, after that long week. Cause the, uh, uh, you know, my, my Detroit lions play Thursday night and I'll be at six or seven days in a row. And so that's, it's gonna be a quick turnaround, but you know what, this is the Ryder cup. This is the first legit chance that I can remember. Cause I do not remember the 93 team very much. 
um, first legit chance that they have to win overseas. And I'm, 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 I'm yeah. so excited. This is, how, you know, so good. Yeah. How could you not remember Chip Beck and Jim Gallagher Jr. bringing that trophy home? God, that's you're ashamed of yourself. I know. I, I remember. So I, my, my first one I remember was Oak Hill 1995. Yeah. That was my, uh, my freshman year of high school. That was the one, um, where I, I can remember Faldo chipping out on the one, the one hole and hitting it up there and, and making the putt for par over Curtis Strange. And Curtis Strange, all he had to do is have like one of the last, like what, four holes or something like that. Yeah. And he lost bad. the last four. Stuff. I can, re I remember that because I remember Azinger and Seve had, they played against each other a couple times. And I think they met in the singles competition as well, singles portion. And they were not fans of each other at all. And they were, were just, it was just yeah. this sticky, uncomfortable match. And I remember watching it with my dad. Absolutely loved it. We, that's, we want, I want more of that. I want more of that this year. I want some yes. uncomfortable feelings. I want some big moments. I want to see who's going to step up in those big moments late on Sunday. I, I just, I can't wait for all of it. All right, boys. It, it was a lot to unpack. We got through it. Uh, appreciate your time. Um, and, uh, Enjoy the Ryder Cup. Thank you. Go USA. Thanks, Zach. All right. Check us out on YouTube. First podcast in a while. And maybe we'll have some bets up Wednesday or Thursday for the Ryder Cup, uh, which starts Friday. Uh, thanks again for listening. Thanks for sticking with us. Catch you next time.